Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sacker for the Fightful.com podcast. Technically, October 9th edition. We're talking UFC 204, WWE Network, all kinds of stuff tonight. We will lead with the WWE Network, even though the UFC 204 uh, situation, obviously much bigger. But Showdown Joe is en route, so we will be talking to him shortly. He'll be here very soon. We are brought to you by DraftBeast.com, Trig Tent, and on it, Guys, if you want a different kind of election coverage, go check out Trig Tent, a great supporter of the Fightful.com podcast. Also check out Onnit. Uh, go to our podcast page, newly revamped, even though our tech team misspelled my name. That's going to be changed soon. Go open up any of those podcast pages. Click that big blue Onnit link. You'll get great supplements Uh, Apparel, equipment used by Seth Rollins, Cesaro, Bailey, Adam Cole, CM Punk, all kinds of people. Sheamus, Roman Reigns, DDP, Steve Austin, Rose Namajunas, Ian McCall, Tim Kennedy, Joseph Benavidez, everybody. You can get everything from uh, their their great kettlebells to New Mood, which I personally use before I go to sleep. It has really improved my sleep cycle. Uh, Alpha Brain, I love it. My favorite supplement in the world. Helps me stay focused. Something that I always had trouble with in school. So Alpha Brain really helps. Also, DraftBeast.com, guys. Go there. Have the most fun you will ever have playing DraftBeast.com. So we're getting into we're, we'll get into this UFC 204 show as soon as Showdown Joe gets here. But I'll talk a little bit about this WWE Network situation. So Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer, reported that there may be a new tiered system to the WWE Network. This has been rumored for a while. Actually, our own Brandon Howard got a quote from George Berrios from it uh, regarding it, I think, a few months ago. There are going to be four tiers, allegedly. There is a free tier. It will allow you to watch all video clips less than five minutes each. You can access... All the content in the video archive, including live events 30 days after they air, up to five hours a month. You get access to the 24-7 stream, 
except for uh, live pay-per-views, NXT and the Cruiserweight Classic. You will have to sit through commercials, and you can watch on all devices. There is a $4.99 tier, which is only available on phone and tablets. You get all of those things in which we mentioned. It gives you the big four pay-per-view events, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam. You can watch pre-recorded NXT events, and you get access to, as I mentioned, the aforementioned things. The uh, video archive isn't limited to five hours, though. You get the $9.99 tier, which is what the WWE Network is now. Pay-per-views, TakeOver, NXT, Cruiserweight Classic, the video archive, things of that nature. There will be limited commercials, though. There, there are still there are limited commercials right now, but there will be limited commercials that says ah, ah, on the the new nine ninety nine plan. Now this hasn't went into effect. It isn't official. Anything of that nature. Then there's a fourth plan for fourteen ninety nine. It gets you everything that the standard WWE Network today gives you, plus access to independent wrestling content. In TNA, Ring of Honor. Evolve, most likely. Lots of stuff. Lots of people will be trying to do this. Basically, it'll be a lot like UFC Fight Pass. UFC Fight Pass has Titan. It has Pancrase. It has Alaska Fighting Championships. It has a lot of stuff on it. So that would be the tiered situation. Also, you get uh, you can watch on all devices with the $9.99 and $14.99 plan. It's not limited to phone and tablet only. Also, guys, we'll be bringing you updates from the UFC 204 pressers as well. You can enjoy fan perks such as early event ticket access, offline content downloads, um, Hall of Fame voting, which we'll talk about too, small group online chat, second screen content, invites to exclusive in-person VIP meetups. Now, the one that stands out is the Hall of Fame voting. That's weird because then they can't control who goes in and who doesn't. Or maybe they can. Maybe they can do it like a lot of websites where you say, does this person belong in the Hall of Fame? Because we're thinking about inducting them. Man. That would be weird. You got Coco Beware in there. Now, granted, I love me some Coco early Coco Beware when he was Stagger Lee and he was just killing jobbers. I love it. I do. But Hall of Famer, I don't know couple of people in there probably shouldn't be. So this obviously adds fuel to the speculation that WWE is interested in the ROH and TNA libraries, especially because the image that was put out, it was actually created by a guy on Reddit, and it mentions those two. The WWE has still been in talks regarding the, the library, regardless of what any talent will want to tell you, regardless of what anybody in TNA will want to tell you. They are still talking. There, there are some rumors, some theories, rather, um, that, that the WWE may have funded TNA through the rest of the year. I don't know that to be true, but they got their payment. By the way, I keep hearing crazy stuff out of the TNA. <laughs> They're obviously not happy having to be there uh, during this hurricane, so lots of texting going on right now, you guys. Um, I will say it appears everybody in TNA is safe. 
That's good news. That's really great news. This Hall of Fame voting thing, a little weird. Also, Cruiserweight Classic, a weekly TV show. What do you all think about that? Let us know in the comments section. Uh, the weekly Cruiserweight Classic show. I got to be honest. Um, after the first couple of weeks, I stopped watching it. Not not out of like, not because I didn't like the show or anything like that. It's just there's so much wrestling to watch a week. There's three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, another hour of NXT, two hours of TNA if you're doing that. You got an hour of New Japan. You have an hour of Ring of Honor. Now, usually on a Sunday these days, you have three, maybe four hours of a WWE pay-per-view if you watch the pre-show. That's 14 right there. And you might have an NXT takeover. You might have there's so much, plus you know, the MMA content that that we that we we watch. Adding that extra hour, man, I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, they the cruiserweights got a better reaction last week on Raw, so maybe, maybe there's a little bit there. Maybe there's a little bit to that. Guys, go to fightful.com. As always, we want you all to support the site. This week was our busiest week in traffic ever, ever at Fightful.com. Still growing. Uh, your support of the site is very important to us. We, uh, we depend on your support to be successful. You want us to bring more people like Vince Russo, uh, Matt Riddle, Showdown Joe on. Support the show. Share it in Facebook groups, uh, Reddit, Twitter, on Facebook, anything of that nature. We had some exclusive news this week about Bellator. Joe says he'll be here in seven minutes, mind you. Um, Bellator is looking to start a women's championship, or women's featherweight championship, early 2017. We spoke to Julia Budd, who fights later this month. Uh, Marlos Conan fights very soon. Looks like it may be those two. Now, I don't know. Maybe Alexis Dufresne uh, is factored in somehow. Who knows? But right now, it looks like Julia Budd's a, a front runner for that title. It's coming early 2017. For those of you just tuning in, Showdown Joe will be here shortly. I'll start running through the undercard, though. Leonardo Santos defeated Adriano Martins. Split decision. This was a fight that I said would likely launch one of them into a more competitive more competitive spot. Uh, Leonardo Santos won this fight, split decision, close fight. He is now unbeaten in his six UFC fights. He had a draw against Norman Park. Norman Park would have won it if he did not hold the shorts, but he did. He won the Ultimate Fighter Brazil 2 tournament. So you could say that he's won like nine fights. But all of his fights that he won there were uh, were decisions. So, I mean, I, no, I'm, actually, maybe they weren't. No, he, he lost to Pon, uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio, if I, if I do remember correctly. So he didn't win that fight. That was a, yeah. So I, I remember Ponzinibbio broke his hand in that. So there you go. Adriano Martins, this isn't the worst thing that could happen to Martins either. Uh, 34 years old, but... Dating back to Strikeforce, his Zufa record is now, I think, 5-2, and two, and this was a close one. His only other loss was to Donald Cerrone. Kind of forgivable. We'll let that one slide. It's Donald Cerrone. 
early, early in his UFC career. He just doesn't stay very active. Well, it seems like he doesn't stay active. He fought twice in 2013, twice in 2014, twice in 2015, once in 2016. It had been a year since his last fight. It was a performance of the night. Uh, so he, he took a year off after fighting for a minute and 45 seconds. Not something you'd like to see him make a habit of, especially at his old age. So, yeah, Mike Perry and Danny Roberts. What a scrap this was. No corner audio for Mike Perry on uh, UFC Fight Pass. No surprise there. If you remember, Mike Perry's cornerman, Alex Nicholson, made the comments uh, in his last fight, the the derogatory comments towards Asians. And now Alex Nicholson is being investigated for uh, a domestic incident. So that sucks. But Mike Perry and Danny Roberts, they had a great fight. This is so much fun. Mike Perry for – he's a character. I'll say that much. Mike Perry is a real character. And he's got a lot of heart, an insane amount of heart in Mike Perry. Just slugging it out. He he will be damned if he goes to a score uh, goes to the judges' scorecards. He just doesn't have it. I don't know that he's ever had a fight go the distance. Let me take a look here. Mike Platinum Perry, they say. No, he's never had a fight go the distance in his nine UFC or his nine fights. Now keep in mind, he just started fighting as a professional two years ago. Two years ago. He's only 25. He looks much older. 25 years old. 9-0. 2-0 in the UFC. Beat Hyung Yu Lim in his last fight. Uh, Hyung Yu Lim, no slouch. Uh, hasn't had the, the easiest go of it the, of the last, I think, two and a half years. He's not stayed on the winning track, has Hyung Yu Lim. But Mike Perry looks like a real prospect in that division. Uh Finishes people. He's exciting. He's a character. He's interesting. Obviously, you can't have things happen like what happened with his corner in that fight against Hung Yu Lim. Um, so, like, what, once he separates himself from that and he lets his personality shine through, like, I don't know if you all saw him on the MMA Hour, but he talked about how he was just walking around with $10,000 in his pocket and he'd never had that. And he didn't care. He's like, I'm Mike Perry. Who's going to stop me? Who's going who's gonna to come take this money from me? He is a very, very interesting character. So, uh, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to seeing him fight again. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him fight again soon. Because he seems like a guy that just loves to get in there and fight. He, he fought in August, August 20th. So, a month and a half ago he was in there. Now, he'll probably have to take a little more time off than that. But uh, he's fought five times over the last 11 months. So great, great, great performance from uh, from Mike Perry. Mark Diakis versus Lucas Sajewski. Okay. So uh, Diakis, another a, another prospect, 10-0, fought in Bama forever. Well, not forever, for a couple of years, but he's 5-0 there. Hit a, a shoot body slam on Sajewski. A scoop slam. I wish I could show it to you all. UFC will uh, just smack us upside the head with the copyright. So can't do that. But he got the finish in the second round. TKO with knees and punches. Sajewski was a prospect. 
Lucas was a real prospect about a year, a year and a half ago. He was, I think, 23 out of Poland, and the UFC wants that Polish presence. They have it with Joanna and Carolina and all that stuff, but uh, they don't they they don't have as much as they'd like. You know, they want to run shows there, and they want to fill stadiums. They want to fill do do big time stuff there, and I think that they thought he would be a part of that. I think that they expected him to. Uh, be that hot prospect that can help carry the show on the male side. He is not that. He's lost three fights in the UFC. Nick Hine, Gilbert Burns, uh, and now tonight. Now, he was on that that show in Germany uh, last year, so they, they did kind of use him for that. But I, I got a feeling he's going to be cut here. And, man, you know, facing a guy who's – Nine and zero, ten and zero. When you're going in and you're you're coming off of two straight losses, not the easiest thing to do anyway. Uh, up and down, I gotta say, this is one of the more exciting cards I've seen, especially in recent memory. And there have been some good ones. I feel that we are in a golden era of MMA. So I yeah, I, I think that we we are in a special time in MMA. And this show, while not the most glamorous of shows on paper, really delivered. Albert Tumanov, Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards, back on another hot streak, won four or five now. Uh, defeated Albert Tumanov. Albert Tumanov is a real tough dude, and he's a guy who won five in a row until Gunner, he ran into Gunnar Nelson, but he's had some trouble on the ground of late. Hasn't made it work uh, on the ground. Leon Edwards took advantage of that. The round three, 301, I think it was, with, with a rear naked choke. Leon Edwards is a guy that I would like to see. You know what? Leon Edwards and Mike Perry, that that matchup makes sense now. Now, Leon Edwards is much more experienced in the UFC than Mike Perry. He's had, I think, six fights, but but why not? Mike Perry doesn't seem to give a damn who he fights. So why not give him a guy on the same kind of schedule as him and make it happen? Uh, Edwards, another Bama veteran. They produce some talent out of that place. Uh, I don't know if they air. I think it's Cage Warriors that airs on UFC Fight Pass. But Bama's got some real talent uh, showing up on 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 their cards as well. So every time you well every time you see one of these cards in England, I mean it's filled with talent from there. Damian Stasiak, Davy Grant. Damian Stasiak was losing this fight. I thought he was down two rounds to nothing. I thought that he was going to get beat soundly. It wasn't the most exciting fight. I'd say this is maybe the most boring fight. You know, I can't – that was on the show. Damian Stasiak won, and he didn't use a heart punch to do it. That's a pro wrestling joke for those of you who are familiar with Stan the Man Stasiak. Yeah. Either way, Davey Grant got caught in a sick armbar. It was so nasty. I, and Stasiak seems to believe that it broke Grant's arm. I didn't get to see, but um, Grant was trying real hard to roll out of it, flip out of it, oh, turn out of it every which way he could. It wasn't happening. And this is this was right smack dab in the middle of five straight submission finishes. So those performance of the night bonuses with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Nine, I think nine finishes. That's going to be tough. 
That's going to be tough because you know Bisping and Anderson are getting fight of the night. There's no way anything else gets fight of the night. But um, that is a big win for Damian Stasiak as well. He's won two or three in the UFC. He's become a fixture on these European shows for the UFC. He fought in Poland. He fought in Croatia. He's fought in England now. Also another Bama veteran. Yeah, color me surprised, right? Like they they are what I think that RFA and Legacy, while, while they're combining into LFA, Bama is in England what LFA wants to be really, really badly in, in America. By the way, Gerald Harris, you all hear us talking about him a lot on this podcast because it's kind of puzzling how he doesn't get UFC fights. He is fighting for legacy in December. So uh, hats off to him. I have an exclusive story on him, but the way that I had finished it, I got to completely redo it. I finished the story, and I was like, Gerald Harris, happy ending. Doesn't need fighting to be happy in life. Then he comes out of retirement. Like I halfway think that I was talking to him about it, and he was like, damn, I got to get in there and fight again. Because I don't know that he got a lot of interview requests while he was while he was retired, but I thought he was one of the more fascinating stories in MMA because of his cut and his relationship with Rampage and his slam and just a lot of unique things. Him getting screwed over by a World Series of Fighting that'll be out soon. Thinking about publishing that Muhammad Hassan follow up this week, by the way, guys. Rounding out the preliminary card, Yuri Alcantara defeated Brad Pickett. Uh, there's Showdown Joe. Joseph. What's up, my man? How are you? We are live right now. Good stuff. You, good you, stuff. going to add your lower third. There you go. So I have ran through uh, Santos Martins, Perry Roberts. I just want to say Mike Perry's a character. He's great. Um, can you believe Damian Stasiak didn't win with a heart punch? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. That was a sick arm bar though. Oh my god. Like yes, that was, was that was I mean that was come on. Uh that should That was a punch to Davy Grant's heart. Yeah. Stan I mean, the man Stasiak style. Yeah, big time. But that uh I mean I kinda understand what the referee was doing there, Sean, when he was going around to the other side, but you you were already in a good position to see everything. You know, like come on. Yeah, oh man. There are some questionable stoppages on this show, like some that none too early. None too early. Yeah. Uh, a couple maybe too late. So I'm at Pickett Alcantara. But what we're going to do is we're going to shoot ahead and we're going to talk about the main event. Because we yeah. have you here. Actually, we'll, we'll round out the prelims right here. Brad Pickett, Alcantara. Pickett's lost three of his last four. But he was coming off of a win. Pickett seems like the kind of guy to me that they would try to that they would keep around, even though he's on that slow streak. Joe, yeah. Do they have any upcoming shows though um, in Europe that they would use him on? That's the real question right there. Because I, I, he is an American top team guy. Right? Don't get me wrong, and he could probably help them out in certain areas of the states. But I think he's just he's a, probably a pretty good draw somewhere in Europe. Um, it's it's a tough situation for him because I mean he when he got rocked with that spinning elbow. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, guys sometimes try and get out of fight. They're that rock or they're just, they can't, they can't shake the cobwebs. 
so they end up getting caught in something, whether it's a TKO or a submission. And I think that was a case of Brad Pickett. He was just – I don't think he was fully recovered. That thing didn't even go two minutes. So, I mean, Alcantara lands that submission, a triangle choke, and, you know, good night, done. So Alcantara wins. This was really a, a battle of veterans. Yeah, uh, picking a spot on eight European shows. This really does nothing to change the division, but I just think it's funny. You have a guy who beat Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson losing to a guy who beat Wilson Hayes. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. By the way, in, in terms of that submission, when you saw that submission, uh, the way the triangle was set up, I mean, it didn't look like that triangle was perfectly – um, locked in there. I was kind of like, well, the leg isn't right across the neck, and I could see him squeezing his knees, which is what you want to do if the guy's not tapping out when you have the leg all the way over. But I was like, that didn't look that tight. I'm not in the triangle choke. I'm not saying pick it tapped out for no reason, but it was like the technique wasn't really there. Was it really on that tight? I don't know. What, what do you think? I was surprised that it stopped the fight. But like I said, you never know, especially body types. You never know with a certain person's body type how the triangle will work because – there are some people with long, gangly legs that, that can pull it off and that can't. Then there are some people with thicker legs, and it really changes things. And I was surprised that that stopped it. Yeah, and that's what I was saying to some of the guys that I was watching it with. They're like, oh, this is over. This is over. I'm like, it's not over yet. I mean, he's just he's got a bit of work to do. And tap, tap, tap. And I was like, I was like an idiot. I was like, okay, a little wrong on that one. I don't know. Let's see the replay. And then I, they showed the replay. And I was showing the guys in the room, well, when you put a triangle, this is what you have to look for here. And, uh, okay, he's squeezing his knees. I can see that. But I don't know. Something's up there. I want to know how you scored this main event. 47-47, draw. Really? Yeah, 10-8 round for Michael or for Dan Henderson in the first one. 10-9 uh, Dan Henderson for round two. And then I gave rounds three, four, and five to Bisping strictly on volume. Uh, I had to just remove the damage, the, the, the damage on Bisping's face, because they don't score on damage, right? Uh, which is what they do yes. in Ryzen, by the way. In Ryzen, they do score on damage, because Bisping would have lost that fight in Japan, hands down, no ifs, ands, or buts. But um, based on the volume of punches and the strikes landed, uh, the octagon control, ring control, whatever you want to call it, uh, I think Bisping you know, eked out rounds three, four, and five. But when you add that up, it's 47-47 on my scorecards. If you scored it for Henderson... Totally, totally on your side. Uh, I one judge had it forty nine, forty six uh, for Bisping. I, I don't know about that one, buddy. But you know, I had it forty eight, forty seven Bisping. But I wouldn't disagree with forty nine, forty six. And I'll tell you why. That second round, it's hard to score. It's real hard to score. And really, man, that fight. You could say Michael Bisping probably won twenty two and a half out of twenty five minutes of that fight. Outside of the, the two knockdowns and where uh, Henderson took him down briefly, Bisping was very much in control of the duration of that fight. But those two knockdowns, boy, were they knockdowns. Yeah, so the second almost, round, yeah, the second round, I see what you're saying. So we, we had this conversation. I was with some really um, some, some good friends and some acquaintances that are now really good friends because – they're like freaking out. Hey, Sean, I'm watching the UFC with Showdown Joe. How cool is this? And it's like they got their their craziest education ever. And they're they're like they were thanking me afterwards. And they're, they're asking that was my Marks. thoughts. On, what's that? that? Was Marks marking <laughs> out. That's it. So no, 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 they were good guys. They were good guys. But I was explaining to them when you, when you score 
mixed martial arts belt, there's certain things that you have to look for. Um, and the one guy was like, yeah, yeah, you're a certified judge. Let's get a pen and paper. I said, you get a pen and paper if you want, but here's how you have to look at this. And a couple of guys, by the time we got to that, the end of that main event, uh, they were uh, a tad inebriated. Let's just say that. They were just all over the fact that, you know, Bisping's face was completely bloody and Henderson won that fight hands down all five rounds. I'm like, guys, he didn't win all five rounds. And I began to explain in the second round, um, there, there's one thing that Big John McCarthy taught all of us in the course is sometimes you got to look at a round. Uh, again, it's always subjective, but you got to look at a round and see where who's doing what to finish the fight. Sometimes a guy has a lot of volume. He's winning the fight, Sean, like you said. He's just dominating, dominating, dominating. But then something happens in the round that could have ended the fight. And if something happens in a round that could have ended the fight, was it more than what the other guy did in order to, 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 to win that round. So in my opinion, what Henderson did by knocking down Hen- or knocking down Bisping in that manner, despite Bisping winning on numbers in that round, was, more, was closer to ending the fight. And that's when you kind of throw the scorecards out the window. Uh, we're basically taught that who did what to end the fight in that round. So if nothing crazy happened, like in rounds three, four, and five, where, you know, yeah, there was a takedown in one of the rounds, and you could have, oh, I would have given that to Henderson. Well, he didn't do anything with that takedown. Eventually, Bisping got back up. But in that second round, um, Hendo did knock him down, which you could have said that this fight could be coming to an end again. That's why I gave it uh, to Dan Henderson. But not like he did in the first round, where that thing was really close to being stopped or or coming to an end, which automatically, you know, in, in our books, makes it 10-8. So that's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, the numbers that you mentioned, according to UFC stats that were on the screen, Bisping quadrupled Henderson's strike output in round two, which makes that one really hard to score. So I'm not going to beat up that ref for, or beat up that judge, that one judge who scored that round for Bisping. But, man, that was a close round. That's one of those rounds where it's just so hard. I had the first round as 10-9 Henderson. I didn't give him a 10-8, but – I think that it, if that would have went on any longer, it very well could have been. Those last three rounds, I think Bisping cruised. I think that he did. I think that he did everything that he needed to do to win. The conditioning on that guy at 37 years old, <laughs> and it's just so funny because he's the young guy in the cage. I, like he's he's the youngster. <laughs> People don't understand. Okay, now I'm sorry. People, some people understand, some don't. But this is a guy, like you said, he's 37. To be able to compete at that pace, uh, again, reiterates why he's the middleweight champion of the world. I mean, this guy can go 25 minutes nonstop. Uh, you know, he, he avenged the loss that obviously stung for the past was it seven years? I think it was. I mean, and and he just continues to go and go. And it's a testament to his conditioning. I mean, this is a guy that's fought a few people uh, that we could say were on TRT that may have had other things in their system and just keeps coming back over and over and over again. I mean, let's be honest, Sean. Like, did he have any business beating Luke Rockhold? Hell no. Did he have any business despite the fact that Anderson Silva uh, is, is past his prime? We all thought that Bisping's, you know, most people thought Bisping was going to get hurt in this fight. Well, he proved everybody wrong in that. And then he goes, goes and takes out, takes an ass whooping. Well, he did, he did get hurt in the Silva fight. Yeah, right? And, but he ends up winning. Right? Yeah. And he got his ass whooped in this fight here. Like, big time. And look, at look. I mean, if, if you didn't see this fight and you saw Yves Levine holding 
Michael Bisping and Dan Henderson, whose hand's going to be raised. You took one look at those two guys. You're giving that fight to Henderson. Again, he got his ass whooped, Michael Bisping. Um, but he still comes back after almost losing the first round, getting dropped in the second round, and uh, taking that beating and still putting on that pace. But I'll say this about Dan Henderson. I mean, if there was ever a guy that you could look at and mimic a wild animal in the jungle and just waiting for the right opportunity to pounce, he's, he had incredible patience and just waited and waited to the point all of us in the room were basically like, here comes, here comes, no, 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 here comes, oh, here comes H-bomb, no. And it was just kind of, you just saw him patient and patient waiting for that perfect opportunity. And then finally I told the guy, I said, guys, he's going to throw it the minute Bisping stops in front of him or moves to the left. And in fact, that's when he throws that punch. I go, if Bisping isn't going to do it, uh, you should listen to my podcast with me and Sean Ross Sapp because we said it, he'll throw the inside leg kick. And if he throws the inside left leg kick, Bisping will stop in front of him or begin to move to the right, and that's when he throws it. Lo and behold, that's what he does. Um, it's a telltale sign. And you saw when Bisping – or sorry, uh, a couple times when Henderson would land that inside left or left kick, Bisping immediately would back away, immediately, because that's what got him knocked out at UC 100. So uh, you got to give kudos to Dan Henderson – 46 years old for doing what he did and that just an amazing career. Uh, but Bisping, man, and still classic fight. Like, like his our former uh, colleague Justin Golightly tweeted. He put a picture of a tumbleweed and he said all the people complaining about the booking of this fight. It was awesome. It lived up to the hype. It exceeded the hype. It was fantastic. And a lot of people said, well, I don't think Bisping got his revenge. Yeah, he did. He won a fight. He, <laughs> he defended his championship. I think he did great. He did exactly what he was supposed to do in this fight. He outlasted the guy that knocked him dead seven years ago. He played his game, and he won his game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Game. Seven years ago, Dan Henderson won his game. Big time. Yeah, I, mean, I could have said it better myself. Now, this promo that Michael Bisping cut after the fight. Hot damn! Did you hear that? 
Unfortunately, no. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, it's Canadian Thanksgiving up here. So I've got family stuff today, tomorrow, and Monday. So the minute that pay-per-view was over, I was about 40 minutes uh, from my house. I promised Sean the minute that fight ends and I hear anything, whether it's a decision or whether there's a finish, I'm packing up my son and wife and I'm rushing home. So anything that happened after the decision, Sean, you've got to fill me in. Wait until you hear this. It was great. He says, and I quote, now pardon the language, guys. People who complained about me getting a title shot, I won three fights in a row. All you fucking assholes in the rest of the division. Weidman, what the hell? You lost your last fight. Rockhold, I knocked you out in three minutes, buddy. Yoel Romero, you're suspended for steroids. Shame on you. Jacare, you just got beat. Win a fight. Get off the couch. Let's fucking do this. Damn. And he said that in about a span of 30 seconds. He eviscerated the entire division verbally in 30 seconds. And I mean, like, you sat there and you listened to it, and, you know, people say a lot of things about Bisping being the champion. But everything that the guy has said has come true. It's so weird. It's like how a lot of people thought that Conor McGregor was just talking and talking and talking. It's happening again, but it's Michael Bisping. Yasada shows up. And somehow this guy gets the championship just like he said he would. Then he gets on the mic, and as he's naming off these guys, I'm like, well, he's right about that. He's right about that, too. Oh, yeah, he was suspended. Oh, yeah, he did lose. Oh, damn, he's, he's, he means it, and it's all true. Why do I miss these things, John? <laughs> That is epic. Take a wild guess what I'm doing as soon as I sign off the air with you. Oh, you're going to check out his Octagon interview on their YouTube, which will be posted on Fightful.com. I'll check it out there. I I bought the pay-per-view because I didn't know what time I was coming home. So the pay-per-view is downstairs. Uh, We call it PVR. You guys call it DVR. It is downstairs. As soon as I'm done this, I'm I'm going to watch that before I go to bed. That's amazing. You should have watched it on the UFC.TV gimmick. Then you would have only had to buy it once. Touche. Gotcha. Yeah. That's what I do on occasion. So, yeah, you look up and down this division. We're going to talk about Dan Henderson in a minute. Rockhold, Weidman, Jacare Romero. He just eviscerated them on the microphone. Number five is Vitor Belfort. He ain't going to be number five much longer. Anderson Silva lost. He's not won his last five technically. But then you have a few prospects. You have three names in particular that are gaining steam and interest. Robert Whitaker, Derek Brunson, Gegard Musashi. So there are some emerging names in that division. Now let's talk about Dan Henderson. 46 years old, said it's the last time we'll see him fight live in the, in the cage. Do you buy that? Yeah. This was I, the last fight on his contract. Yeah, I totally buy so it. He's a free I, I, agent now. Yeah, I mean, I can't see him going back to Scott Coker and Bellator. I just, I think he's done. I think he realized, okay, you know what? This was my final opportunity uh, to get the ultimate prize. He may not even think it's the ultimate prize because he's never really cared about that stuff. But this was his opportunity to finally uh, get that UFC belt, put it around his waist. He had the pride belts. Um, you know, I, I think he's done. I think, I think he's uh, he's going to walk away. Um, he's a legend, living legend. UFC Hall of Famer, one of the pioneers in the sport. I think UFC 17, 
against Carlos Newton is my, my earliest memory of Dan Henderson. Um, I, yeah, I think he's done. For those of you who are wrestling fans, Kane, Bill Goldberg, the Dudley Boys, D-Generation X all debuted the same year that Dan Henderson debuted as an MMA fighter. 19 years, 2000, or, uh, 1997. It is not said enough that he won a UFC tournament, that he fought at – you know, we see a lot of people changing weights and things of that nature now. He's a guy – he beat Fedor. And now he's fighting people like you – know, he fought like Jake Shields at middleweight and Michael Bisping at middleweight. And he spent a lot of time at light heavyweight. This guy just didn't care where he fought, Joe. Well, that's the thing. Though. This is this is the conversation I had a long time ago with Frank Mir about what is the definition of pound-for-pound pound fighter. I mean, if you want to take into consideration what a pound-for-pound pound fighter is, and Mir's theory was picture everybody in mixed martial arts if they all weighed the same. You know, let's say they were all welterweights or they were all middleweights. Um, then start judging who's the best pound-for-pound pound fighter. And then we brought up Dan Henderson, a guy that has fought at so many different weights. At the time, was also Kenny Florian. He goes, these are legit guys that you consider in the pound-for-pound rankings because they fought at so many different poundages. And Dan Henderson, in my opinion, will go down as one of the best pound-for-pound mixed martial artists of all time. Great. I had the – I was fortunate to see him live. Unfortunately, the fight that I saw live was in Nashville for that Strikeforce show, which – was among the worst shows ever. Terrible. <laughs> Miserable. But hats off to Dan Henderson. For those of you calling it a robbery, don't let a good story compromise your integrity, guys. Michael Bisping won that fight. He won that fight. There are fighters out there calling it a robbery and saying it's suspect because it's in England. Get over yourselves, guys. Come on. Again, it just goes – and listen, I, I, Sean, I experienced it in the very room that I was watching or the very home that I was watching the fight in. There's nothing I could say to these guys – okay, beer aside, what they were drinking. But there's nothing that I could say to these guys that would get them to understand that they don't judge damage, okay? doesn't matter what he looks like. It's round by round by round under a specific scoring criteria. If you want to judge a fight – by old pride rules or by the new Ryzen rules or by looking at what someone looks like after a fight. I get it. I get it. But that's not how they score mixed martial arts. It's not a playground. It's not. It's not. If you can get it into your head that there is specific scoring criteria, you'll understand why Michael Bisping won this fight. Exactly. Did you get the text I sent you the other day, Joe? Uh, it was actually turned into an email, which I laughed at you, but I didn't want to say anything. But I know where you're going with this, so uh, I'll allow you to expand. Like I said, you can't write this shit, Joe. <laughs> you can't. Like, my boy, Corey Cropper, is the big Nikita Krylov fan. And I, I mentioned he got booked the other day, and it's against a top 15 opponent finally. Like the UFC, like, I think they watch the show and they're determined to make me cheer for the guy. The guy that Krylov is fighting beat one of my coaches, my MMA coaches, basically as a fight to get into the UFC. So I got to root for I got to root for Krylov against my boy Misha. 
against your boy Misha. He beat yeah. Sean Asher to get into the UFC. And Misha and I go way back, as well as his wife. I've known them for quite some time. Um, Misha works security uh, at some of the uh, higher-end establishments here. Uh, some really good uh, restaurant-slash-clubs down here. Very high-end. I mean, uh, Hollywood stars would go in there, and you could just see him at the door there. And I would literally walk there, and he'd be like, Joe, get this way. Joe, that way. Uh, and then he started taking his mixed martial arts career seriously. And he's done fantastic. I apologize that he, he beat your coach. Uh, but now he's got his hands full, man. This is He's fighting Krylov. So, obviously, my heart will be with Misha. Uh, but uh, the enjoyment factor of watching Krylov fight uh, will be, obviously, uh, at an all-time high. So, uh, I'm looking forward to these two guys uh, getting in there and uh, dancing in front of us. Not going to lie. I mean, I, my coach is great. Taught me a lot of great stuff, but kind of knew the score. 36 years old, going up to Canada to fight the the prospect. We, we kind of, I kind of knew the score there going in, but he was told either way that if he beat this guy, he's probably getting in the UFC. But either way, that, that's a that's a good fight too. Can't wait for that fight. To be completely honest, I am now excited to watch Nikita Krylov fight. So, and that's not a joke. I am no longer excited to watch Vitor Belfort fight anymore, Joe. I'll yeah. say this for him. His hand speed is still there. Any comments on, his, that's it. on, his, uh, on his belly? Um, no. Because <laughs> we were watching the fight going, you know those three letters are about to come out. Well, it's really two letters, but... Uh, the TRT comments are coming out left, right, and center in that room that I was in. And I'm like, well, that's what that type of body would look like if you're not on TRT. So, um, but yeah, it, his hand speed was good. Um, there, listen, man, there was one time when uh, Giggard was basically stalking him uh, and pushed him, not pushed him, but had him against the cage through a beautiful right. And Vitor was able to still slip and still get away from the punch and land it back. So he was looking really good. And then... Yeah, that thing ended pretty quick. Well, not pretty quick, but it ended in a real ugly fashion. I mean, when when when, when Musashi smelt blood, it was done. It was over. He landed. Was it? I think it was a was it a high kick that started it all off, and then it just just went from zero to one hundred real quick. Now that he's not using TRT for his body, he can use those three letters to spell out retirement because he is cooked in the UFC. I, actually, I don't think he'll retire. He could go over to Japan and make quite a bit of money. He could go over to Bellator and make quite a bit of money and probably probably smoke a lot of guys in that division, to be honest with you. That, that division, when you got Melvin Manhoof against Rafael Carvalho again as your main event, yeah. by the way, whose idea was it to give us that stinker again? Um, I think Vitor could go over there and do well. And there were rumors today that he was going to retire, but then I was when I asked around, I heard he would probably just use it as leverage for a contract. Either way, Gegard Musashi looked awesome. One thing about Vitor's kicks I noticed, a lot of times what he does is he will faint with his power hand and get somebody to parry or roll, and then he catches them with a the kick. He was telegraphing his kicks. Big time in this fight. Big time. And... He hasn't beaten anybody but Dan Henderson since TRT was banned. He hasn't won outside of Brazil in five years. I don't think those two things are a coincidence. I think he it feels much more at home fighting in Brazil against people who probably need TRT. You know what? 
I, I don't mean to sidetrack. I just want to move back for, for one second with something that you said about Vitor uh, potentially going over to Japan. And it just kind of hit me. Um, with Ryzen, the money behind Ryzen, remember remember, Pride was like leaps and bounds ahead of the UFC at one time with the money and, and, the, sure. and the pay that they were giving fighters. Um, I wonder what the evolution of Ryzen would mean for an organization like Bellator uh, and what it could mean one day eventually for the UFC. And I understand that the UFC is the big show right now, uh, but it, it was once Pride. Um, it just, they, they, they ran into those various problems that they had back then. But uh, now that Ryzen is beginning to rise up, no pun intended, but there's money there. And I wonder if that's going to be uh, an option for a lot of fighters at the end of their contracts with the UFC, uh, as, as opposed to saying, do I negotiate with the UFC or I can negotiate with the UFC, Bellator and Ryzen and see who pays the most. Because now a third sort of major competitor is, is coming in there. Uh, I wonder what it all means for, for guys like Vitor Belfort and guys that are thinking, okay, I'm coming up and what am I doing? Where should I go? And stuff like that. I wonder uh, what this is all going to mean in the very near future. There's a guy by the name of Chael Sonnen that could use an opponent like Vitor Belfort over there. Um, they, they, that weight division, the 205-ish stuff, Lots of lots of interesting prospects over there for for a guy like Vitor. I don't know what his contractual status is. Though. You know, good point, Sean. That's a very good point because uh, it was Vitor Bel- Vitor Belfort was the reason that Chael Sonnen uh, has hasn't competed in so long. Do the math. Is that true? Yeah, because he was the one that was replacing Vanderlei. Oh yeah, and then Chael got caught shortly thereafter. Start doing the math Damn. for one second. You're Chael right. Sonnen. And you're fighting a guy with TRT. Hmm. Who failed his test, by the way. Yeah. And then Chael obviously had his admitted to his little concoction he put in his system. Yep. Yeah. Gegar Musashi looked awesome. That guy just looked five, five out of six. He can compete at middleweight or light heavyweight. Hell, he'll compete at heavyweight if you really want it bad enough. Didn't he, he beat Mark Hunt one time, didn't he? Yeah, Musashi, you know, <laughs> and, and no pun intended, he, you know, he loses to Uriah Hall, and those are two fighters that we've talked about. Which one shows up? We don't know. Yep. You know every time, we don't know which one's going to show up, and tonight, man, did he ever show up. Oof. His career losses. King Mo, I unfortunately saw that too. Lyoto Machida, Jacare, Uriah Hall, and that he was controlling that fight. Akihiro Gono. So he's beating Mark Hunt, and he he loses to guys that are like thirty four and twenty career, and uh, competed as lightweights. So uh, and up, uh, yeah. Also, uh, that Patris dude, I can't pronounce his name from like forever ago when Gagar was like twelve years old or however old he was. Either way, I think he's he stamped his place. He might be. After this, I think he should probably be – he should replace Vitor as a top five middleweight. Uh, but Whitaker and Brunson, I am very, very interested to see how, how things end up with them. Well, also, let me ask you a question about, uh, about Gegard, okay? Your personal yeah. assessment. When I, when I say to you, grade Musashi's ground game, what grade would you give him? The reason oh. why I ask you this question, okay? Kato, okay, no, show me your answer. 
a big question mark because you never know what it'll be from any any particular fight to the next. I mean, now getting submitted by Jacare, nobody's going to hold that against you. But um, it's a lot like a guy that we're going to talk about later, Stefan Struve. You don't know what it'll look like on any given night. So the reason why I asked that question is because, I've, I mean, I've had um, numerous, uh, I'll just say, uh, two former UFC champions and some two guys that are ranked right now in two different divisions that have basically told me, Gegard's game, ground game, if he's ever fighting a good guy that knows jiu-jitsu, Pay close attention. And I said, okay. He's got weird posture, I've noticed. But my argument with them was like, okay, you you rolled with them. You guys are are elite. You rolled with him. And from what I see when it comes to MMA, looks pretty damn good to me. I'd I'd, I'd like to see – I think he could compete with anybody on the ground. And they're just like, no, no. And I was like, all right, he's fighting Vitor Belfort. I don't think Vitor Belfort should stand and trade with him. Vitor's smart. Get this thing down on the ground. Submit him. It pays 2001. Right. Okay. Do or sixty. Sorry, twenty to one. Pays twenty to one. Okay. That, that's something. Uh, that's a little fun bet, if you ask me. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, Musashi Molly whopped him. Crooklyn stomped his ass. Wasn't even close. Jimmy Manuel got the biggest win of his career against Oban St. Prue, and he took OSP's soul. Now, what the hell was that? What was that? That was a combination of the Crow Cop and the Rashad KOs where your eyes roll back and you fall, but you get your leg folded up from underneath you. OSP looked okay in the first round fighting the typical kind of OSP fight. Jimmy Manoa, even, you know, he's 36, still got that power. This is his biggest win ever. Huge. Absolutely huge. I mean, this was a fight, Sean, where the room was just kind of like, you know the dog that does this? It was yeah. like, what? what's happening on our screen here? We're all kind of like, the room's going quiet, and we're paying attention, and we're like, what is happening here? This is cool. Jimmy, wow. And all of a sudden, we're just like, whoa, what just happened here? I mean, it was just like, I thought for sure OSP's going to get a takedown and control him and sort of beat him down until we can get him in the third round and probably get some sort of submission. Jimmy Manor wasn't having any of that. Yeah, I like OSP. I think he's uh, a good hand for that division, but he's lost three of four. That one win he had is against Feijiao, and Feijiao just like lost all ability to fight other human beings. His uh, his most recent victory beyond that is Patrick Cummins, who just he can't. You punch him. That's the blueprint to beat Patrick Cummins. You <laughs> punch him in the face. Fight him. It is. It is. Did you ever see the guy? I, I did a lot of research whenever um, he was fighting Daniel Cormier because I was like, I got to learn about this guy and I got to learn quick. And I watched his fights, and man, it was. I think I feel like it was Terrell Brown or Ricky Poo. I can't remember who it was, but it was some fat jabroni that just punched him in the face. And like you know how you see people get punched in the face. Uh, in an MMA fight, and you see how they react, and you're like, oh, that's it. That's the key. That's the secret. You just punch him in the face. As it turns out, that is Patrick Cummins' downfall, and has been four fights. Um, 
But yeah, either way, OSP, I think he's going to bounce back. He is 33 years old, but that light heavyweight division, kind of crappy, kind of crappy. Yeah, it still blows my mind how it was once murderer's row and you know, he had all these crazy killers from Shogun to Machida to, to Rampage to Rashad all in their prime. And I guess every division has to go through this. But it's funny you mentioned that stuff about Patrick Cummins. I remember when he was announced as Daniel Cormier's uh, opponent, my phone blew up. And they're like, dude, watch. This Cummins guy is going to crush Cormier. I'm like, what? This, <laughs> this guy's amazing. This and that. We got boys putting money down on him. You're going to be surprised. They're going to make so much. I'm like, what? What? Fools. And I was like, okay. And they're like, dude, you should go on your show and let people know that he's a badass. I literally went on my show and said, <laughs> based on what I'm hearing, Patrick Cummins is a legit test for Daniel Cormier. Uh, I, I I can't say that I fully agree. No, I, dude, that was on national television. I was like, based on what people are telling me, we really need to be paying attention to this fight. The fight goes down, and I was like. Oh yeah! All the guys back with one word. Really? Question you know one. what happened, right? Reality. He got punched. Patrick Cummins got punched in the face. <laughs> Good point. Okay, <laughs> as it turns out. <laughs> now people say there's like a comments coming in. Patrick Cummins would beat you up. Hell yeah, he'd beat me up. I'm not a fighter. Get over yourselves. <laughs> Jimmy Manoa, big win, big win. Uh, he needed that win too because. If you can't beat OSP, that's going to put – which, I mean, really – and this does crazy things in that division. Oh, that division. You want to hear the rankings from 9 through 15? Sure. Antonio Rogero Noguera, Nikita Krylov, who should probably be above Noguera, not even kidding, Corey Anderson, Eler Latifi, Patrick Cummins, uh, Misha, and Jean Vellante. I think Tom Lawler should probably be in there, but Patrick Cummins at this point. Cummins has lost three of the last four. Why this top 15, though? Why, I mean, why not just make it a top 10? I don't, I don't get it. They did. They did, but they wanted more people to rank. They wanted more numbers to put next to people's names. That's why. Stefan Struve is in the top 15, and this is one of his best performances in recent memory, I thought. Yeah. His ground, pro- game, his ground game looked really good. I, you know what, the thing is, though, we were, like, talking about, there was there was one guy with us tonight, his name is James, uh, he's a former hockey player, uh, beast of a man, beast, this dude is just the beast, and I just looked at him, and they're like, you've interviewed Stefan Shue, didn't you, Joe? I said, yeah, on numerous occasions, you know, I spent some time with him, he's a really cool guy, how big is he? I'm like, well, you know he's 6'11 and a half, he's 7 foot tall, uh, and just look at him. And we looked over at James, and I'm like, dude, he would tower over you. He's an. I mean, yeah. when I was interviewing him, I had my mic up there. We had to change the interview stance. We both had to sit down, so it kind of looked uh, like I wasn't such a short dude. But he's a he's a monster. Now, when his when he gets on top of you, though, Sean, can you imagine? You could have been as many me. Pretty much, right? Like, I mean, let's let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, anybody with a shaved head really could have been. Yeah, there you go. But if you think about <laughs> this monster of a human being on top of you, um, it's not like, I mean, he's got the technique. Obviously, he pulls off this darts choke, but it's totally different. It's, you know, we were joking around. I'd be like me rolling with my son. Like, no matter what my son's going to do, I'm just going to use whatever, like my natural power to take him off me, right? And that, that's sometimes what I feel like when he gets on top of people. 
His top control has been an issue in the past, though, like like I mentioned with, with Mark Hunt. It did not look like a problem here. His counter-wrestling was really good, too. Amelia Check was trying to take him down, and he, he landed that trip. He looked real good, and this is like we've been waiting for a long time for Strew to put it together. He's 28, which is young, but we, we talk about MMA miles a lot. He's been fighting for... Over, he's been fighting for 11 years, so he's been fighting since he was 17. 17 years old. Um, he, I remember he fought Christian Mpumbu, which is crazy to think, because I think Mpumbu, who beat him, by the way, um, fought at like 185 later in his career. But he's a guy who always has trouble staying – well, he's consistent for short – it's weird to say consistent for short bursts. <laughs> but he'll go on like three, four fight winning streaks, you know, things like that. He's been on, let's see, a three fight winning streak, a two fight winning streak, a four fight winning streak. Now he's back on a two fight winning streak. But then he runs into somebody. There's just the Junior Dos Santos, the Roy Nelson. First, you know, a lot of times it's the it's the heavy hitters. But then again, he got past Miochik. He got past LeVar Johnson. You just never know with Stefan Struve. I think it's time we put him in the Uriah Hall category and the Gegard Musashi category. You never know which one you're going to get. And it, that's even even adding fuel to that is the division he fights in. We need a name for this type of category. That's what we need to do. I'm trying to think of, of who else. Oh, never mind. I brought up the comment. I was putting – I put uh, – fabled MMA fighters or legends of MMA. You know how we have Jim, Mike Pyle, and Kimbo with six months of sprawl training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan Quinn with no kicks, no takedowns. Do you know who Dan Quinn is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stevie guy? Yeah, way, yeah. Man, what a legend. <laughs> what a legend. That guy, he was a character. Uh, I really, I want to see a video game of all these fabled characters. TRT Vitor. Yeah. If you look back at all the guys he he beat when he was on TRT, Jesus. Mot- motivated BJ Penn. That, that, he was on there. He was on my list. He was on my list. But a big win for Stefan Struve. Also, we got Bektich back. He looks like a world beater. Now, granted, it was Russell Doan. Russell Doan lost four in a row. Pro- I don't know. He might not get fired. He might not get fired because he took a last-minute replacement fight. They may hang on to him, have him – job to somebody else. But Bektich, uh, who am I pronouncing his name right? Yeah, it's Bektich, but I, I couldn't watch this Hot fight man. in seriousness. I couldn't because all I heard was your damn voice in my head about Russell Doan and Russell Doan, they shouldn't be here, and blah, blah, blah. And I was you like, shouldn't. oh my God. No, you're right. You no, got right. ragdolled. I, <laughs> no, I know, Sean, but the problem is, is I'm trying to watch these fights uh, as an analyst, and I just kept hearing your voice in my head. I'm like, oh, Masad, just finish him off because i got to get Sean's voice out of my head. I just need to see Struve next. And and everything that you said was going to happen in this fight happened. And I'm like, okay, I'll talk to Sean later. But I kept – everything that you said as led up to this fight basically came true, and your voice – anytime I hear Russell Doan now, I'm going to think of you. Bektich didn't even need to wait until his ACL healed to win this fight. He could have went out there with a full brace, post-op, right after ACL surgery, and beat the living shit out of Russell Doan. He could have. And that's no disrespect to Russell Doan. He's just not – they're not in the same league. And Russell Doan's a much smaller fighter. 
But Bektich is one of the top prospects in the world. I don't know if we can still call him a prospect. He's been fighting in the UFC for two and a half years. He lost a year and a half due to the ACL injury. He's won four fights in a row, but he looks like the real deal. I'm ready to see him get a step up in competition, though. 100%. I think it's time. Yeah, 100%. Now, now it's time. Now it's time to start matching him up to see where he stands. And let's see what, what uh, well, if Shelby's still doing the lower weight divisions. Uh, oh, yeah, he'll, he'll still be doing it for the next uh, little while. So, uh, like I said, we put yeah. him up against for sure. You got to have him step up. He got this fight back. They were going to have him fight Arnold Allen, who pulled out due to an injury. And Arnold Allen is, I think, 11 and 1. Yeah, he's 11 and 1. So, uh, that, that would have been an okay test. But uh, Bektich is the real deal. I like him. I, I think all, all about him. All about him. Guys, we are back tomorrow night after WWE No Mercy. That's what it is. WWE No Mercy. We're going to be covering all of that. Uh, if you just tuned in, we talked about the WWE Network, possible changes that are coming up soon. Joe, what are your lasting impressions from this event? Um. It's- Bisping avenging that loss and Henderson, you know, it's the last time I think I'm ever going to see Dan Henderson compete. So, you know, you, you go through all that vintage stuff in your head, but uh, you know, the other thing was the fact that these poor fans in Manchester at five in oh, the yeah. morning, four in the morning, three in the morning had to endure this. And I definitely feel bad for them, but to every single one of them that were there, uh, you know, a Canadian giving you a massive, you know, round of applause. Great job, guys, and 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 thanks for showing love for the sport because that that cannot be easy. Guys, a lot of you ask where the Vince Russo and the Matt Riddle podcasts go on the weekends. If you don't see them on YouTube, they are on Fightful. The same goes for Showdown Joe's show. They are members only for the first few days on Fightful.com, absolutely free. Just register, no credit card needed, anything like that. You'll see them there. Uh, a few notes from the the. Uh, post-fight press scrums that they do now. Hindo said he thought the first round was a 10-8. He's going to miss competition the most. He gives uh, Bisping respect for having the balls to stand in front of him. Musashi says that he will be a champion under USADA. Uh, Musashi said he would fight GSP, even though they're not going to give him that fight. Uh, He said, even Anderson, why would he risk fighting me when he can fight GSP? He says that he would beat Michael Bisping. So uh, he, he's talking quite a bit. Musashi's opening, open to fighting Brunson, Whitaker, who we mentioned. Um, and he says that he's the favorite, even going in and fighting those guys. And says, so you tell me, is it a popularity contest? I don't quite understand that. He calls his loss against Uriah Hall a fluke, Joe. What do you think about that one? I think uh, Musashi's uh, amping up the game. I like it. Keep talking. I, I love it. Too. I love it. I love it. What else we have here? <laughs> that, that's really it thus far. Um, great night of fights. I thought it was a fantastic card. Guys, support Fightful.com. Please share the page anywhere you can. More live viewing parties at Fightful.com than anywhere. Join our, our comment boards. Our, our forums are being overhauled. We're making a lot of visual changes for you. Next week, swing by the site, check it out, let people know about it. All kinds of breaking news, all kinds of exclusive news. I revealed that Bellator has plans to institute a women's uh, featherweight championship early 2017. Uh, Julia Budd and I talked about it uh, in an interview this week. 
Follow Showdown Joe on Twitter at Showdown Joe. Follow Fightful at Fightful Online on Twitter and Facebook. Follow me at Sean Rossap. Guys, until tomorrow night, we are out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries, and with that we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.